0: Here is your host, Mike Abadir. March 19, 2020. This is Gino
1: Bocola here on the Mike Abadir Show. And I am along with the main man, Mike Abadir, like always. Mike, we've got a packed show uh, today. There's, It's, it's strange because it's a kind of a strange world that we're living in right now where a lot of things are shut down. And there's really not many current sports going. It's like wrestling and horse racing and WWE. You know, know. wrestling are like the only things going. But as far as the news, especially in football, man, there has been a ton of it this week with free agency starting up over the last few days. So there is a lot, a lot to talk about.
2: There there absolutely is, man. You know, it's really funny because the other day I was kind of thinking, you know, what are we going to do with this show over the next uh, few weeks or months to come, with all this going on and no games being played, are we going to have content? Are we going to have material? I started kind of brainstorming and thinking of maybe we could do top, you know, top quarterbacks of all time list, and you know, have uh, you know listeners chime in, even you know, top grunge bands from the 90s. I mean, I'm just trying to get as creative as possible. But this week, today, there's just been new information upon new information, upon new information, breaking news constantly. And, um, yeah, you're right. Much of it is in the NFL. And, uh, ironically enough, you know, when I had reached out to uh, Mike Triplett from ESPN about getting on with us, it wasn't even about uh, Sean Payton and that breaking news. It was really just to talk to him about free agency and and kind of what he's covering and, and that type of thing. And um, I think let's get right to him because he, he's on the line right now. Just finished up with the afternoon session of – ESPN Sports Center, Mike. Good afternoon, your honor. Hey, Mike. Mike and Gino, how are you? Good, man. You you, you must have a uh, had an eventful day. Not just with the NFL free agency, yeah. but this news in this afternoon about Coach Payton.
3: Well, it certainly drives the point home of what we've all been talking about, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it feels like we're all dealing with it, but it's happening to someone else, and then uh, obviously it, it hits home when. Uh, when it happens to the subjects that we're covering and talking about. And and I know obviously this has swept through the NBA quite a bit as well. So the sports world does not sort of live in a bubble while all this is going on.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I tried to reach out to the guys. I know with the saints, I'm hearing that, you know, coach Payton is doing well and, uh, you know, he's resting at home and and doesn't even feel that sick. Are you hearing any uh, pretty much consistent information?
3: Yeah, I pretty much heard the same, uh, and luckily they had already, you know, stopped working in close quarters at the facility early last week, middle of last week. Um, so, you know, ideally this won't be a widespread thing throughout the building, um, and we haven't heard of anyone else testing positive in the building. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, if it doesn't hit others, uh, it's almost a surprise. You know, he was... Uh, at a racetrack on Saturday, and the horse trainer Tom Amos already said he's going to self-quarantine because they were together there out of precaution. I mean, it, it, it's very tough to get a handle on, uh, on how these things spread. And it's, it's hard to believe, whether in the Saints building or in the 31 other NFL buildings, that he's going to be, you know, a rare case. It's, it's probably going to hit a lot of other people that we've heard of, too.
1: So it's hard to hard to do so when this was just news that broke recently but i guess we'll try to go uh, a little bit before this news came out what were yeah what, what were some of the big news things over the last few days big signings big moves big um, like players moving in and out what were some of the major um pieces for the saints uh, over the last couple of days cuz this has been a really busy free agency start, and, and in particular, there have been a lot of big names moving around from, from team to team. What were some of the big things that happened for the Saints?
3: Yeah, they've had a relatively quiet one. Now, they yeah. they are always aggressive and active in, in free agency, but it's about as quiet as I can remember them. Now, they're not done, because one of the things they love to do is get that second tier of free agents. Uh, uh, where, where That's when they think the values really start to shake out, and they have just year after year after year made some of their really nice signings uh, in that second week of free agency. And shoot, last year their best free agent signing might have been uh, tight end Jared Cook, and, and that one took several weeks. So they like to find those values in the second week, but they just don't have a lot of salary cap space to work with. And uh, um, also have some major contract extensions coming up. That incredible 2017 draft class they had, they had Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramcheck. All those guys are due for contract extensions soon, so they do need to save up. But the, the one big addition they made this week was bringing back Malcolm Jenkins, um, you know, the veteran safety who, who began his career with the Saints, never made a Pro Bowl, then went to Philadelphia, went to three Pro Bowls and really made a name for himself. And Sean Payton has always admitted openly that that's his biggest regret. That's the guy they never should have let leave the building. Uh, And so they get to try to correct a a wrong uh, years later as much as they can. And obviously they won't get Malcolm Jenkins in his prime, but I think what they will get in his veteran leadership and his savvy will really help a talented young secondary.
2: Because of their salary cap situation that you just mentioned, what do you suspect, you know, what positions do you think that the Saints – are going to go after in free agency versus opting to go for value in the draft. I know that the wide receiver position is very deep, very talented in this upcoming class. But on the flip side, historically, it's been the case that wide receivers maybe need a couple of years before they really find themselves in the NFL. Although that's somewhat been bucked recently, but what do you think? Yeah, the last couple of years has kind
3: of turned that on its gear. Yeah, it really has. (laughs) Oh man, if only they could go back in time and get any one of the receivers drafted in the second round last year. I know. Um, um, It was the second round, not the first round, but the second round. Yep. Um, Yep. And, and the same with Michael Thomas, who was the second round pick for them and an immediate contributor. So yeah, that, 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 You know, it sort of depends on the guy, I'm sure. But what I think is interesting, I agree with you that receiver is their number one need, a number two receiver to pair with Michael Thomas. And I had said this a few weeks ago, and it seems like it may be the case since none of the top receivers have signed yet. The draft class is so loaded that it feels like every NFL team that needs a receiver probably feels like they they can get one in the first three rounds of the draft. Um, That probably harms... The free agent receiver market, um, with 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 all the teams being able to say, well, we don't have to overpay in free agency because we can just look to the draft. Um, so I do wonder if a bargain will shake out. When I was talking about those week two bargains, a guy who maybe is available a little cheaper than you expected, an Emmanuel Sanders or a Robbie Anderson, I think that would that, that would be a great potential fit for for the Saints to add at that position.
1: Now, what? What are just uh, from from you? It's uh, from your thoughts. Like looking around at the way everything else around the Saints has moved the last couple days, this is going to be a division that looks a a heck of a lot different this year, at least just from the from the quarterback (laughs) play than it did last year, right?
3: Well, uh, what's interesting is two main things have happened. Is yeah, the quarterbacks have gotten uh, better, or at least different, I should say. I mean, they spent a decade facing. Cam Newton and, and Jameis Winston. I don't know how many times they've faced both of those yeah. guys, uh, and now that'll be Teddy Bridgewater and Tom Brady, uh, very different styles. You, you knew when you were facing uh, Jameis Winston you had an opportunity, at some turnovers, and that's uh, not going to be the case with, with either Bridgewater or Brady. Uh, but then the other thing that's interesting is there's been a little bit of a fire sale in Carolina and Atlanta with a lot of star players leaving both of those cities. Um, uh, you know, while the Tampa Bay is a team uh, on the way up, um, uh, those two teams, I wonder if, if, if they're going to lick their wounds for a little bit and, and sort of regroup. So, um, the, aside from Tom Brady, there's not a lot of star power entering the division this year.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, obviously time will tell as to, you know, what kind of moves, you know, the rest of the division makes you know, there's some rumors out there about maybe Tampa getting Antonio Brown. I think that'd probably be a little bit ridiculous. Uh, you know, I don't know how many how many chances you give that guy really. Uh, but you know, I want to bring it back to the Saints for a minute and just talk to you about the quarterback situation because I don't remember a team that had three really solid quarterbacks on the roster that could you know win games and make plays and and contribute like the Saints had in in this last campaign when Peyton and staff were evaluating for the future, how tempting was it to say, you know what? Bridgewater is the more experienced guy and he's probably got a lot of years in the tank versus breeze versus is Hill really an NFL quarterback. What was that analysis like?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, look, Drew Brees was still playing so well at the end of last season. Um, that I don't think there was ever any difficult choice between, you know, do we have to let Drew Brees go to move on to Teddy Bridgewater? Um, They wanted, you know, as long as Brees wanted to keep playing, they were going to keep Brees. Um, And so it's unfortunate that they couldn't just continue to keep Teddy Bridgewater in reserve. Uh, It was a nice luxury that they had and certainly very valuable for them last year. But, you know, they knew he was, he, he had earned a payday and, and they were just going to have to let him go because he was the unrestricted free agent. So I do think it would have been a fascinating decision if Breeze had retired, if they wanted to go to Bridgewater or Taysom Hill, um, or maybe both in some combination. But when Breeze came back, the decision was pretty much made for him that they could not afford to keep, to keep Bridgewater as, as, as a $20 million backup, uh, uh, which is what he ended up making. And then, um, Um, the Taysom Hill stuff. He's easier to keep because he's a restricted free agent. Uh, But I also think that's genuine. I I think they truly believe they could build an offense around him. I think Sean Payton would be very excited to build a game plan around him full-time. I would love to see it. Uh, You know, obviously the the greatest comparison would be Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, but even Josh Allen in in Buffalo uh, shows some of the same traits uh, and, and uh, you know, they believe in him as a football player. Now, I do think if he was an every-down quarterback, the risk of injury uh, would be would be one thing. But if, if Breeze is going to retire at some point and the Saints need either a guy to turn to or even just a quote-unquote bridge quarterback, I think they totally believe that Taysom that Hill as, as a starting quarterback is something that they can make work. Yeah, and he's uh, such a... Oh, go ahead, you know.
1: I was gonna say just of of everything that you've seen happen in the last few days now, and we talked about some of the ones that are gonna directly impact uh, the Saints either for their team or teams that will be playing against them multiple times. What what to you is is one a move out there that you think is gonna either be a big deal or very interesting or one that's surprising or what's something that's happened over the last couple of days that that kind of shocked you a little bit?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, we already talked about Tom Brady, the Buccaneers. Yeah. That one's hit so close to home; it's hard, it's hard to remember anything else that happened. Yeah, but uh, um, I, I mean, obviously, the big shocker uh, outside of that was uh, was uh, DeAndre Hopkins it's moving right. for uh, for a price no one expected to Arizona, um, and and that sort of impacts the Saints as well because he moved from the AFC to the NFC. The NFC was already the more stacked conference. Um, you know, so many good teams left out of the playoffs uh, last year. And, and, you know, I think you could pick 10 or 11 teams that you think are playoff-type contenders in the NFC. And now that NFC West, it's all four it. teams feel like playoff contenders in the NFC West. The Arizona just got uh, a team you're going to take a lot more seriously now.
2: That's a great point about the NFC versus the AFC. Two guys that could kind of shift the balance one way or another are two quarterbacks you know, from, you know, we talked about them, went up against the Saints a couple times a year apiece. Who are the good fits for Cam and uh, Jameis?
3: That's a good question. Now, if Cam Newton was 100% healthy, I mean, I think it'd be a totally different conversation. I mean, some team's going to have to, you know, probably take a little bit of a, uh, you know, hope that he gets healthy approach, which, which, you know, I think will limit his market. Um, I know the one thing I've heard is, is, la uh the chargers because they could use some star powers they move into a new stadium and and they already are probably planning to go forward with tyrod taylor right now and i know anthony lynn likes mobile quarterbacks and likes that kind of offense so that seems like a natural possible fit it would be fascinating if the patriots went with either one of those guys and see what bill velichek could do to to sort of uh, you know give them second life in their careers um but uh, uh, those are the ones that stand out to me. It, 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 what's interesting is I wrote about this a lot when I was guessing what was going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater. This musical chairs game in the NFL, there are almost more quarterbacks than there are jobs right now. Uh, so a couple of those guys, whether it's Andy Dalton or uh, James Winston or Kim Newton are not going to have starting jobs when, when, when the music stops and everybody takes their seat.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You know, I was, for whatever reason, I was kind of thinking Jameis in South Beach in Miami. You know, that could be maybe their best passer since Marino. Uh, I know he threw a lot of interceptions, but man, the guy could pass the ball. He could he could sling it. Yeah,
3: he's somebody's going to take a chance on him and have a vision for him, no doubt about it. Yeah, and Miami no is doubt. interesting because they have amassed some talent and they have all those draft picks. I think everybody thinks they're going to draft a quarterback, whether it's two or someone else, but. They came on pretty strong at the end of last season. If they do add a, a veteran, you know, frankly, they already have Ryan Fitzpatrick who, who was playing at a high level. But if they did add a veteran quarterback, they could actually hit the ground running and 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 make a little bit of a ripple this year.
2: Man, so 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 many storylines. It's going to be a really interesting off season, and we you know let's face it, we need it. We need something to entertain us while a lot of people are are at home and. Hopefully uh, not too many more getting sick after this uh, next wave of testing here. But, well, Mike, I know you're super busy, and uh, we really, really appreciate you joining us. And, uh, obviously, we didn't get to the biggest move of the week, which was uh, Zach Wood, of course, but I think that's probably been pretty well, well well, <laughs> covered internally over here. But uh, before <laughs> we we'll let you go, about Mike— Zach
3: Wood in a quick minute. The, the, the specialists made way too much news in New Orleans for years because they were rotating them constantly. They had 11 kickers in 11 years. They had, like, four punters in two years. They had three long snappers in one season twice. Um, so the fact that those three positions have not changed for, for four years in a row in that kicking operation they just sent Will Lutz to the Pro Bowl, they obviously found a, a trio, and Zach Wood is a one-third of that trio. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, actually, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but uh, or if this even got out. But uh, Zach was actually a third alternate for the Pro Bowl, so hopefully he will. Uh, nice. Hopefully <laughs> he will hopefully he'll <laughs> land that position this year. Hey, before uh, and I agree with you, by the way. Probably one of the best special teams units, top to bottom, in the entire league, even when you count the uh, returner as well. So they're uh, they're oh, in good yeah, shape, and that's sure. a third of the game, right? So, but before we let you go. Any uh, thoughts about the Louisiana Derby, or have you even had a chance to take a look at that? Especially since uh, no fans could be in attendance.
3: No, uh, unfortunately, that uh, that uh, uh, that one slips my uh, slips my expertise. Yeah, maybe we would have. Uh uh, I, I have a feeling when whenever we're all back out in public again and life returns to normalcy, we'll probably be uh, taking in all the events we can. Maybe I'll be a lot more of a <laughs> <more> then. <certainness laughs> Good stuff,
2: Mike. Well, Thank we definitely mind. appreciate you making time to join us today. Uh, we'll keep looking out for you on SportsCenter and reading your articles and uh, stay safe.
3: Happy to join you guys. Thank you. You too.
2: Take care. That's Mike Triplett from ESPN. You can catch him uh, on Twitter at Mike Triplett with two T's, and uh, on SportsCenter probably uh, throughout the uh, off
1: season here. And so that was really good a, stuff, you know. We're about to take a break. That was great stuff from him. Um, we have because of you and the connections to the Saints. We we always just get such great insight on the Saints in particular from like a few different people who have covered them. Like we just we we are you know we get. Every, all the great information from them. It's always awesome. Now, I'm um, going to tell you something funny real quick before
2: we go to break, which is our uh, third guest is going to be Kat Terrell. She's from The Athletic. She covers the NFL, and she covers the Saints, but she wants stock fairgrounds.
3: Nice. She actually
2: was a fairgrounds reporter and fairgrounds writer cool. up until a couple of years ago, and I think she's still an alternate, and uh, they send her out to the derby and stuff. So she wants stock racing. I sent her the PPS awesome. and and uh, yeah, so that'll be a fun conversation. But be before fun. we get to her, we got so, George O. Oh, coming up in, uh, in a and, minute. Here, so. And just
1: a bummer, it, it keeps going, Mike. Two Laker players have just tested positive for coronavirus. Oh my virus. gosh! And yep. we had a
2: 76er and a Nugget right before we came 76ers, on the air, right?
1: 76ers, Nuggets, because the Lakers were interacting with Brooklyn. Brooklyn players Durant was the other day this was because they were on the court with Rudy Gobert so this is how this is this is how it happens you know my um, goodness it's just unfortunate like every time you refresh social media it's like another thing's popping up so I know we have to take a quick break we'll be back in in just a minute but I just saw that come across so I I had to mention it
2: well hopefully there's nobody else after we come back from commercial break stay with us everyone we've got an action-packed show we'll be back in a few moments
1: us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn
0: want to play the ponies and win at winning ponies we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers and handicappers the winning ponies radio show with john Inglehart racing's regular guy is the perfect compliment to the winning ponies handicapping website Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Back here
1: on the Mike Abadir Show, and uh, we have our next guest on the line. Yes, do. I, I, I do have to say before you introduce him, he has the greatest voice in all of without a doubt entertainment. It's not even like sports in all of entertainment. Hundred percent. Without a doubt, and you know he's <laughs> done a lot of cool things.
2: By the way, uh, Telemundo or Univision, Univision, and and uh, WinPlay Show and TVG, and he's a poker announcer. All We're stuff talking in Hollywood Park through the Hollywood years. Hollywood Park, yeah. yeah. We're talking, of course, about George Ordazar, George O. How are you, buddy? Hey,
1: George. Hi, guys. It is a pleasure to be on
4: your show. Both you guys, I love both of you guys. Gino I've you know loved for years, and uh, Mike, when we met on our uh, we placed the show. We became instant friends, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be on your show, and especially in these crazy times that we're living through. <laughs> I know. Well so it's where a pleasure you based- to have you on. Where are you based, George? I'm in uh, here in, the, in LA, in Los Angeles. I, I live near the airport, near LAX. Uh, uh, you know, uh, pretty cool to hear you. You got uh, TVG right there next to the airport. Yeah. I work in Santa Anita as well and I try to work for all the racetracks so uh, I try to keep busy and right now man we're almost one of the only sports in in, uh, in all of America so uh, uh certainly the spotlight is on horse racing during these tough times as uh you know pretty much like you said there's some wrestling there's maybe some uh, some car racing but uh, as far as the major sports with all of them being down everybody's uh has got their eyes on horse racing
2: and uh, you've been uh You've been doling out some winners.
4: <laughs> I've been, uh, you know, like the the, the first like a uh, few months of this year, uh, like on on T on TVG, I've been really hot. I've been getting some pick fours, yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, goodness, uh, you getting a lot of fans, uh, a lot of love from the fans, which is great. Uh, that's that's really uh, the best and when the fans say, "Hey, man, thanks." Uh, I, uh, one guy told me, well, "I was feeling really bad, and then I hit that pick four you uh, you gave out." And- Made my day. Like, oh, that that email made my day. <laughs> so you know, and uh, I, I've, I I've thought
2: about texting you a couple times, but I don't want to jinx you. So I'm like, you know what? He's on a roll. <laughs> Hopefully, he stays on a roll and doling out winners. <laughs> now, let me ask you. Uh, so there was big news uh, just yesterday, I believe, which is that NBC is going to be simulcasting the TVG feed uh, on NBC Sports. What do you know about that? And are you going to be on any of the shifts that are going to be on NBC?
4: Well, um, yeah. So uh, they're going to have uh, the main like I basically am on TVG two, and so the uh, the uh, the racing that's going to incorporate uh, the TVG feed uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is going to be the uh, on NBC the trackside live. Uh, from, like, 4 to 8 on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, you're going to have Britney Spears, I mean, Britney Spears, Britney, (laughs) Erton, Britney, Erton, and and Todd, and those guys, you know, the main TVG guys. And I'll still be on TVG, too, uh, because uh, Saturday and Sunday I'm going to be handling, you know, whatever the the secondary tracks are. And I'm going to be on uh, Saturday and Sunday. But the the NBC, uh, which is going to include, I guess, the... uh, uh Ring Park's a big, you know, Florida Derby and, and and races like that. Uh so, you know, the whole country is going to be, you know, we're going to be spotlighted like you said on NBC, um uh, America's Day at the Races on Fox and and so uh, really this is a time um, you know, for us to shine.
2: Now, the the uh the NBC deal is that through the rest of the month? Uh, and then they renew, is that just until indefinite uh, every saturday sunday uh, what what's uh do you know the kind of the length of it?
4: Well, I mean, I know that they uh they're uh scheduled to go through uh at least march twenty ninth you know for sure and then uh and, I, and I'm not sure what's you know what's gonna happen after that, but I guess as uh if other sports don't join in, then they're just going to be doing it every week, uh, possibly yeah, for a month. Yeah, they need the content.
1: Yeah, I think they'll just probably need the content, right? I mean, to, to fill a lot of these a lot right. of these times. Um, so, George, let, let's get a little like, you know, rate. Like you, we we talked about it. You've worn many hats and everything. Like, give us a little <laughs> bit of your of your backstory. Like, how do you get to to horse racing?
4: Well, I I got the horse. I went to Hialeah High. Hialeah uh, in Florida, yeah. And uh, so I was. I wish my high school was in
2: Hialeah High, by the way. But go
4: ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So that was cool. Then my first job ever in my life was at Hialeah Park. And for those that you know that don't remember Hialeah Park, and I'm not trying to you know since it was my home track or anything like that, Hialeah Park in its heyday was unquestionably the most beautiful track in America. It was a spectacular uh, track. And it had so many amenities. Um, you know, ivy on the wall, they had an aquarium, they had uh, a, uh, birds uh, in there, they have, of course, the famous flamingos, and it was just a stunning, beautiful The entrance, was used, I think, in movies like The Champ and other scenes from movies in there, it was just spectacular. Now it's nothing of what it was back in the day there, but it was just spectacular, and you can't help but fall in love uh, with horse racing. If that's imagine that's a, you know, if that was my first girlfriend, the you know, Hylia track. So I mean, it was just uh, spectacular, and so it's easy to fall in love with horse racing. Um, you know, through that. Uh, and it was thing, a great I, track I, to I handicap finish. too.
2: I loved I loved Hialeah to, to handicap. It was fantastic.
4: Yeah, Hialeah was, was was great. I mean, it was you, know, you had the dirt, you had these big Derby preps like what we're going through now. Uh, that was the most exciting time for me when I was when I was uh, living in Hylia with all the months leading into the Derby because you know you had the, uh, the, the the big races there so yeah you know, it was just really exciting.
2: So uh, speaking of which, let's um, let's kind of transition to some of these Derby preps and uh, we have uh, one this coming up weekend, which is the Louisiana Derby. Have you had an opportunity to look through the PPs for the uh, Oaks and the Derby and? You know, um, maybe we could kind of start with the Oaks, smaller field, um, heavy favorite in there. Is this uh, is this favorite kind of like a free square in your horizontals or you have a horse that you think can uh, take down Finite?
4: Yeah, Finite looks it looks way too good. I mean, she just yeah, uh, crushing the Rachel Alexander and uh, she, she did it so easy. I mean, all of her numbers you know, literally tower over the, the rest of the field. There's some that shouldn't even be in the race. But, you know, you get a small field, a big purse. Uh, even if you uh if you do do well, some of these Phillies are gonna get, you know, a nice payday, even if you know, if they're gonna be coming in second, third, or fourth. But the race goes through finite. Um finite is gonna be a single and everybody's, you know, multi race bet is training well. Steve Masdisson and Santana they're just they're such a hot, you know, commodity. and they're a great combination. So uh, certainly uh, I would think Finite is, is, is a single and, and deservedly so. I mean, you know, he won five in a row. has won five out of seven. The other two races were seconds. Finite looks like, uh, looks like the goods for sure. You know, before, before we get into Louisiana Derby, tomorrow there's a horse running it Just for out of a, like a really cool uh, thing, there's a horse called Southern Phantom, who I've seen while uh, oh, yeah. being on TVG a couple of times. This is the coolest looking horse you've ever seen. Her, uh, the entire face of Southern Phantom is white, it's, yep. you know, and then got four uh, got four you know white socks as well. So it's just a really cool, uh, you know, horse to look at, and, and he's got the bold bold face and the cool legs. Uh, it's got blue eyes. It's just, it's just the coolest horse ever. So uh, now, is this a at Santa Anita or where's, where's? I think it's where's Oakland, Phantom, right? right? No, is it oh, yeah. Oakland? At Oakline. Yeah, at Oakline. Oh, man, that horse uh, is really just a cool horse to look at. You know and, and, and you come across every now and then some cool horses, so, you know, that one certainly is going to be cool. But you're right, the cool race is the Louisiana Derby. Um, it's, you know, uh, worth a million dollars, uh, a mile and, three, and three-sixteenths, and uh, that's the one, you know, uh, everybody's going to be looking at this weekend. Um there's, there's a restaurant here in, in, uh, in California, I don't know, guys, you've ever been to it, called Porto's? Yeah. Yeah. Porto's got some great Cuban, like, bakery goods and stuff, and I go to Porto's as much as I can. If you're ever here, man, go to Porto's. It's fantastic. And Todd Pletcher's got a horse called Porto's in that race, who uh, just, you know, two races back broke his maiden by 10 lengths. And earned a good third graph number. And uh, last race in the Withers, even though uh, came in third, uh, also earned an, a really nice number. It's a son of Tappet, you know, Tappet, uh, you know, uh, great sire. And this Colt, I think, has got an upset chance to make the money at, a, at, at, at I think, a really good price. Uh, he's 8-1, to one, he's going to have Irad RGs, and he's going to be like my long shot look in that race. Um, although Enforceable looks pretty, you know... Pretty strong. It comes out of the Risen Star, which was running two divisions, and uh, I thought was in the tougher division with Mister Monomoy, who won that race. But Forcible looks uh, looks really good. Um, also, it comes from off the pace, so you know, you know, a lot of times horses like that they're at the mercy of pace, they're at the mercy uh, the, the, of the race uh, shape. maybe yeah. losing ground, getting into traffic. So he's, I think, he's beatable. Uh, you know what? What's funny?
1: They the two of them, they're almost similar horses with the way they run. And so, if you're just looking from like a price perspective, I'm glad you mentioned Portos first because he like what, what's nice about both of the two that you mentioned. They can run all day. Like distance will not be a problem for either one of them in this mile and three sixteenths, which we now have, which is, I like what Louisiana, what fairgrounds did with the Louisiana Derby and with their prep races this year, they, they stretch them out a little bit more to kind of help horses progress into the Derby. So you have this race actually in mile and three sixteenths. I think it's, I, I have Portos in a lot of my exotics. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's a, he's a grinder, you know, and he's just going to keep coming at you. And when I think a lot of these horses hit the early part of the stretch or the middle part of the stretch where they might kind of hit a wall and get a little bit tired, the two horses you mentioned, I think, are the ones that are going to be coming. And, and Portos should offer you really nice value.
4: And Portos, got, I mean, first of all, Todd Fletcher, one of the best you know, trainers, obviously, in the country. Um, they knew from the start that this cold is was gonna be uh the longer the better. Because they viewed at a mile and an eighth. So they didn't waste any time with six furlong races for this one. They knew what they had. This is one that uh you know as the races go longer, he's gonna be stronger. And uh I think, you know, last, last race, uh you know, I, I swear by the thoroughbred numbers and uh earned a great thoroughbred number. So I think Porters is one to watch. But both of them are, you know as as I said, uh are susceptible to you know that closer was yep. run, could run into problems, could have traffic problems. Gonna, they're probably going to be wide. Uh, you know, there's a plethora of things that you know front runners or stalkers uh, don't have to you know, don't have to you know go with those problems. So uh, a lot of times, even the longer races, people go, "Wow, it's, the closers are going to do well." But a lot of times, those are won from from, uh, from gate to wire. So
1: who who would be one of the the horses, or maybe a couple of the horses that you think might be more forwardly placed that we can maybe hook up? With uh, with Portos enforceable, and maybe get you know a nice try home or something like that. Who are a couple of the others that you would look to?
4: Well, I mean, one of them that I initially looked at was Modernist, who was trained by Billy Mott, um, who you know just won two in a row. And I like you know this one started the career okay, uh, but then when he broke the maiden, he came back and won that division of the of the Rising Star. And, and sometimes when these young folks they get that win, it's like seeing that ball go through the net. And something goes on, like the light bulb goes on. And they go, oh, man, uh, this is what, this is what I was supposed about. to do. So they yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so they get, uh, you know, they get treated nicer. It's just, human, you know, uh, it's just human nature. After a loss, they go, uh, you know, the humans don't treat the, the animal as well. But after a win, they get treated so nice, and they get patted, and they get kissed, and all this stuff. And, and the horse goes, man, I like this. You know, so, you know this is going to be uh, something I like. The only negative of modern is, you know, you go all the way outside. It's post-14, so, uh, you know, a, a difficult post to, to try to overcome. I think that maybe uh, somebody like Major Fed might stay closer to the lead and might have to. Uh guess Rosario, as Leperu, you know, decides, and understandably so, to go to enforceable, but Rosario, to me, man, he's one of the best jockeys I've ever seen in my lifetime. And uh, he is just, you look at a picture of a jockey in the dictionary, and Rosario's picture should be there. I mean, this guy looks like a jockey you who know, talks like a jockey, runs like a one of the first times I met him, he won this grade three race, and I didn't expect him. This was like way back, uh, uh, like five years ago, something like that. And I go, "Man, you won that race." And he goes, "That's what I do." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, He's like, yeah, confident but <laughs> this guy. Uh, so you know, so Riizarra getting on Major Fed, I think he might stay a little bit closer. And uh eight to one, you know another good everybody's going to be a nice price in that race, such a such a wide open field, and really some good runners in there.
2: Yeah, it's what seven to two, then the six to one, everybody else is eight to one or above you know the six oh, to one yeah. I'm kind of thinking there's a chance for a uh, ask me since Santana double Oaks Derby double with a silver state, very consistent performer here. I'll tell you what George, we actually are up against a commercial break, and. Uh, okay. I'm hoping that we could bring you on once again right before the Florida Derby. How does that sound?
4: I love it, man. You guys, uh, I'm there for you. If you ever need me, it's been a pleasure being on your show. I respect the both of you very, very much. And uh, and what's there's some guy, uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, What's his name? uh, Wood, something, Wood. Zach Wood. You ever heard of that guy? He's good, man. Yeah. That guy's good. He got a agent, yeah. too. Damn, <laughs> that guy got a <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Th- thanks, thanks, George. Georgie. I
2: appreciate it, brother. That's George Ortazar, with TVG and multi-talented individual can do it all in terms of the voice and acting. Let's take a commercial break. We're going to continue talking about this uh, Louisiana Derby with an insider, a local insider, Cat Terrell from The Athletics. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Closing segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. Big thanks to our, our first two guests. Uh, you just recently heard
1: George Ortizar, who, that voice, just amazing. He just <laughs> sounds great. George is always such a fun guy to talk to, so enthusiastic, loves the loves the sport, just loves life in general. But we have another guest waiting on the line right now. Mike, why don't you introduce them? Yeah, we've
2: got uh, Kat Terrell from The Athletic. She's been with ESPN previously and The uh, Times, and she's uh, covered – the fairgrounds racetrack as a writer. I know she's been to the Kentucky Derby. She's super, super talented. She covers the saints for the athletic, but because there's so much NFL news, I think dessert for her is more along the lines of horse racing. Kat, how are you doing this afternoon?
5: I've been uh, doing well. How about yourself?
2: Doing well. I loved your enthusiasm about, Hey, let's talk racing. And, uh, and, and I guess maybe you could kind of share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into the racing world, the sports world, etc.
5: Well, yeah, I was I was so excited to talk some racing today, and that kind of got derailed a little bit um, by crazy NFL news and and Sean Payton testing positive for coronavirus. Yep. But I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. But yep. um, so I I grew up in Louisiana. I've been a big horse racing fan pretty much most of my life. I used to ride when I was younger, um, jumping and things like that. And um, I moved to New Orleans in 2012 right out of college and covered the fairgrounds. And uh, I was a backup Saints writer for the Times-Picune, the local paper there. Then I ended up going to ESPN for three years covering the Cincinnati Bengals. Just moved back in August uh, to work for the Athletic and cover the Saints again. So, yeah, a lot of people always ask me, how does a person in their 20s get into horse racing so young? And I guess I just always had a big love for the sport. And I haven't actually been out to the fairgrounds this year, except for today, to pick up my credential for the Louisiana Derby. So that's been (laughs) kind of weird. But, um, yeah, so uh, I I guess that's just how I got into it. Just loved riding when I was eight years old, and it kind of naturally progressed to me being... Degenerate horse racing fan. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what's that
2: going to be like covering the Louisiana Derby without anybody there?
5: Well, that is the bummer. I was all set to cover it, and I thought it could be a really interesting story to cover this race with no spectators. I've been to the Louisiana Derby so many times over the past 10 years. It's a great day. It's usually beautiful outside. Everyone has a great time. So I went out there. I picked up my credential. You know, they're being pretty diligent about around there about security and who's in and out. And I haven't been there in a while. So, you know, they're asking me who I was and things like that. And so I, I had this plan. I was going to go to the backside, talk to some trainers in the morning, kind of get the scoop about what's going on, not only with the virus, but, you know, the horses, obviously. So I leave. I go get coffee. I haven't been out in these days. I, I leave my phone in my car to try to be safe, I go get my coffee, I get back in my car, and I get all these text messages that Sean Payton tested positive for the virus. And he was at Oaklawn Park last week. Yeah. So I, I guess that just was in my head because I'm fairly close with Tom Amos, who trains for Gerald Benson. He was with Sean Payton at um, Oaklawn last week. So he tweeted today that he saw qu- – He's going into self-quarantine, and I was yeah. just thinking, oh my gosh, I was going to go talk to him, and, and who else? So, I'm going to figure out how to cover it over the phone, but um, unfortunately, I think I'm probably going to sit this one out uh, on Saturday. Kind of a bummer, but better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, I mean,
1: absolutely. It's a fluid situation. Like We're recording this at, you know, Thursday at 7.45 Eastern Time, and like, as of the last few hours, things are consistently changing. Like, you know, earlier today, right. most of the big circuits were still racing, and now we've already seen that somebody tested positive in New York, so Aqueduct's going to be closed down now. And then, with what happened at Oakland, you would have to imagine—I don't know what they're going to do—but if if there were you know people walking around Oakland that had it, they they probably can't be running too much longer. And then, right now, we just heard that um, Irad Ortiz Jr., who was supposed to be riding on the fairgrounds card with some, some big mounts on, uh, on Saturday, he and a few other jockeys have said they're not going to be riding now um, for the next few days. So, I mean, this is – it's really hard to kind of to, to deal with this more than just like moment to moment, right?
5: Right. I mean, think about I, – I don't know where Joe Talamo is riding this week. I, I think he's still at Oakland. But think about that. He was in the winner's circle when Sean Payton presented the trophy. So, I mean, does he go get tested now? Does he have to self-quarantine? I mean, mean, how many people did he come in contact with? It blows your mind if you think about it. He was interviewed
1: on TBG by by one of the reporters on TBG, you know, covering the races now, who then came back here now. And, you know, now we wonder who they've interacted, some of the people that were there that were, you know, the reporter and the camera people they that were setting up the interview. Now, who have they maybe interacted with on the way back? That's just it's it's, get, it's definitely gotten scary. And it's it sounds, I guess, sad to say it this way, but like as someone who's such a sports fan, to me, the moment this all very, came very real. And it's probably the same way for a lot of guys or for a lot of people who like follow sports the most was when I saw Rudy Gobert, you know, or when I, you know, the Jazz game and we heard Rudy Gobert and, and we saw that game get shut down. And since then, it's crazy to think that that was like a week ago. It feels like that was six months ago.
5: It feels like so long ago. I mean, all I, I, hadn't, I haven't gone out to a restaurant or anything in, I guess, a week until I got coffee today. And I only did it because I was already out. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I feel like I haven't interacted with human beings in so long. And yes, that NBA... Uh, that crazy night with the NBA seems like a million years ago, and like you said, it, it was it was a week, right? Friday, Thursday. Yeah, I have no idea. Wednesday. I think it was like Wednesday night when all that started. Like
1: Wednesday last week was the was it when it all like it, it seemed like it was things were going to be without fans, and then boom, it was like NBA's done two hours later, and then everything's kind of trickled down from then.
5: Right. It was so weird just being at the fairgrounds. I, you, I do what I would do in any situation. I ended. I met someone, I introduced myself, and I stuck out my hand, and he stuck out his elbow, and we just kind of laughed and, like, backed up. Like, oh, wait, we can't shake hands. I mean, it was just so, it's just such an odd world we're living in. And I even told everyone, I said, well, hopefully I'll be here Saturday to cover the race if it's still happening. I have no idea. Changes by the hour. I mean, it just, I guess everyone just has to do the best they can. It is just surreal times we're living in. For sure.
2: Now I'm going to pose a question to both of you uh, before we kind of talk specifics about the Louisiana Derby. So, typically speaking, obviously we all know the the Derby prep schedule, and you know it all kind of lines up to culminate on the first Saturday of May in Kentucky in the Kentucky Derby. With the Derby now being rescheduled, the Kentucky Derby that is being rescheduled for the Labor Day weekend. I was kind of thinking about this because. Typically you're gonna get horses that are in really good form, you know, presumably, that qualify for the Derby and you could have a full 20-horse field. Now, if you're gonna have a rearranged order, Belmont, Preakness, Kentucky Derby, you know, are you still gonna get a 20-horse field? How do you ensure to get horses in good form? You know, do you guys think that they're gonna maybe at a a prep race in Del Mar or, you know, some of the summer racetracks, Saratoga, et cetera, if they're running. Uh, I'll start with you, Kat. What are your thoughts about that?
5: Well, I think in an ideal world, they would change it back just for this year to how it was with money, uh, with uh, entry into the starting gate coming from, you know, money in stakes races. Because as everyone who follows how the Derby has laid out. Everyone who follows the Derby for a significant amount of years knows it changed significantly when Churchill Downs basically decided it was going to a point system. Yeah. It, it made a lot of racetracks almost irrelevant, like the Sunland uh, Derby or I think it's the Sunland Derby. I can't even remember the name now. It, it became an irrelevant race because it had no points or the Illinois hurt. Derby yeah, Illinois yeah Derby, there were a
1: few so Hawthorne got her and then it, all of the races with, from horses with two and what what it ended up doing was it took a lot of that like the speed horses out and it made the race very very formful for the last you know seven or eight years
5: I was actually wrong War Emblem won the Illinois Derby not the Sunland Derby but I think I'm trying to remember back yeah, then, yeah I, Illinois. my mm-hmm. point is that it just yeah it, just, it made all these races irrelevant, and it also made it so that Churchill Downs had a lot of say in, in what races were important. So now that the prep schedule is just all out of whack, I think they should just say, hey, we're going to go back to this stakes-earnings system and see what happens. Because, I mean, what do you do in the summer? Do you have, I mean, that's a lot of coordination to add these races. And we all know very well that horse racing does not coordinate well from track to track and, and all of that. So I'm kind of fast. I mean, they can't, they haven't even laid out how the triple crown would work because they can't get together on that. So um not trying to be negative here. I'm just kind of wondering no, how it it's all It's just worked. hard. Uh, we, we're making some great points. Different?
2: Yeah, no, you're making great points. I mean, and and I different. actually, yeah, I agree with you, by the way, on, uh on the earnings. You know, I think you got to go with that. As the summer goes on and uh, horses develop, you're going to have a very different three-year-old class by the time we get to the uh, late summer, early fall. you know, On the flip side, it's going to be a, kind of a tough pill to swallow if you had qualified with the current point system, and then now you're disqualified because right. they're going to do a change-up. I think that's uh, – I don't know. What's your take on this, Gino? Uh,
1: that's a good That's a good. – they're, they're going to have to tweak something because – um, depending on, you know, let's say I had heard that um, Oaklawn, who who knows now, was thinking about moving one of their prep races back. Like, what any track, if they're going to still be allowed to run, would probably be smart to, to run a big race right around the derby time, right? Because that's where most of these horses are, like, prepping for, and that could be just another prep to keep horses along the line. What's going to be weird is come September, because it's going to be the—if if everything goes well, and let's say the race is the first Saturday in September— What's going to happen now? Is there a Preakness and a Belmont even? Do we even have the – is it just a Kentucky Derby this year? Because then what do you do with the Preakness and the Belmont? Like where are they run? Where do you run the Preakness if it's not Pimlico time? Um, and then what happens with the Breeders' Cup? You're well, running right into that, the Breeders' the Cup. Way.
2: Yeah, I could clarify that. State law in Maryland requires that the Preakness be run at Pimlico. Yeah, that's And for it's me. not even going to be during uh, the meets, the you meet? know – yeah, so that's going to be really, really uh, quirky. You know, this is a very fascinating topic that we could probably talk about for uh, a great length of time, but want to use uh, Cat's time wisely here and uh, pick your brain and get your thoughts about the Louisiana Derby, a race that you're very familiar with, and uh, hopefully you've had a chance to uh, do a little handicapping.
5: Not much. I uh, was kind of distracted by the Sean Payton news. I did a little bit. Yeah. I was able to look over at uh a, a little bit. So, can't go too in-depth, but um, I can give you some of my thoughts. Yeah, I have you know, like know, four, or four or five minutes. minutes. Um, oh, that's, that's perfect. Um, so, I kind of, I mean, this is probably a popular opinion because he's probably going to end up being the favorite, maybe. But I kind of like Wells Bayou. I mean, I know I've seen a lot of people mention him, but... Um, I don't know. He kind of just stands out to me. I mean, obviously, Brad Cox. I mean, that's very obvious, but he's one of the horses I like. Um, I mean, he's 8-1 right now, but I think that he's going to end up, his odds are going to end up very different on race day. I'm not sure why I think that. I he do was too. really he's impressive fed last another time guy. Now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, he was really impressive. He has, like, really good speed, and he's drawn down towards the inside, so he might be able to to get to the inside of the speed. And if he does, he could be really, really tough to run down. Like, of, of all the horses in this field, I'm not sure if he's quite ready, but I think he might end up being, like, one of the best down the line. There's a lot of ability with him.
2: Yeah, and not to mention, he well, had the I highest uh, speed rating speed, last yeah. out. Yeah, highest speed rating in the what? field last out, so uh, definitely uh, one to uh, consider there. Uh, where else are you looking?
5: Well, I was going to say, well, there's just not that much speed in the race. So I could see Wells value just going to the front and staying there. Um, because the other speed horse isn't, I mean, through like much further outside, uh, him and, and Major major Those are the two ones that, that stick out to me. Um, when I was on the line waiting, I, I heard, uh, one of you guys talking about that and Joel Rosario, um, always a guy you got to keep your eye on but um yeah i mean those two really uh kind of jumped out but it's interesting because this is a full race uh you don't often see that with the louisiana derby but i think as we were talking about earlier i think trainers just don't really know what's going to happen and wanted to get a prep race in or or didn't at the time i guess now they know when the Derby's going to be run but um well, hey, even, even if not,
1: this is a million-dollar race at it, right? So it's like, let's just try to get as much of this this million that we can get right now if we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months.
5: Right. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, with tracks shutting down, yeah, you're exactly right. And then, you know, of course, there's the Fairgrounds Oaks, too, which is always one of my favorite races to watch because it's been such a great prep race for the Kentucky Oaks, and yet... Yeah. Still not a grade one. That has always blown my mind just out. Right. So many great Phillies came out of that race. And so that's one, I always a 4-2 more than Louisiana Derby sometimes just because of the talent that always ends up in the race.
1: And we've got another really good one this year with Finite. She's going to be very, very tough to beat. She's on a massive win streak right now, and she's coming off of, like, her best ever race. She's so quick, but she can sit, and she's drawn well, and maybe she can just sit off. So she's going to be really tough, and she might be kind of one of those that you've talked about, that really nice quality fillies that came through the Fairgrounds Oaks.
5: Oh, I mean, I definitely think so. And, obviously, Steve Asmussen is based there, so... Um... I'm not sure. I assume she's based there with him. I know he's kind of got horses all over, but, um, so kind of like a local horse there. And then, um, uh, who else did I like? I, Bonnie South actually, um, stood out to me too. I mean, four to one, I'm not going out on a huge limb there, but that's another Philly that I really liked when I was just skimming through the PPs earlier. Well, I'll tell you uh, what guys, I, mean, I hate nice to interrupt form. our conversation,
2: yeah. Uh, I apologize. I hate to interrupt our conversation, but we are actually out of time. We're up against it. And, uh, you know, that uh, that's all the time we had. But, you know, Kat, it's been fantastic talking to you. Really appreciate Thanks you making time us. to join us. We'd definitely love to have you again. Maybe a post-race recap if you got some time for us.
5: Anytime. And we can sit there and hash out uh, our plans for the racing world to figure out this new derby. There you about Greatness uh, Travers this year. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, you have me on.
2: That's Kat Terrell from The Athletic. And that is all the time we've got, Gino. So we're gonna say goodbye to everyone. Please stay safe. Wash your hands. You know what to do. Shelter yourself. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Have a great sports weekend,
0: everyone.